0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Bought by the Hour podcast, episode four. I am so glad that you're here with me. I'm really glad to be back and fill you in on this crazy story. I can't wait to tell you what happens next. Thanks for joining us. As always, before every episode, I want to insert a clear content warning. Some of the topics that we discuss are considered disturbing or triggering. I want you to consider this before listening any further. Some of the topics that we discuss are physical, mental, and sexual abuse, violence, trafficking, and drug use. Hello, everybody. I am so glad to be back this week. I am sorry about last week, I just have an enormously overwhelming amount of things going on in my personal life, and there was no way I was going to have time to complete them all, so I had to kind of pick and choose, and um, I'm just really glad I was able to squeeze you all in um, this week, (laughs) but... um, I'm, I kind of want to. So, every week before I record, I go back and I listen to the week before just to kind of remember where I was at in the story and what I had said and where, you know, where I was leading that thought with. And so, I wanted to kind of throw in a side note for something that I forgot to mention last week when I was telling the story. So, whenever Jack asked for my phone as we were standing out in the sketch area, um, (laughs) I learned a very valuable lesson that night. So I don't know if you guys remember, this was like, you know, circa 2016 and the phone case wallets had just come out where you like you know, put everything in one place, you know, so that way if you lose anything, you're totally screwed. Uh, which is exactly what happened. So I, because I was traveling, I even had my social security card in there. Um, So my debit cards, I even had my food stamp card in there because I was struggling, you know, that's how I ended up in that situation. Um, (laughs) So I had everything though, my driver's license, my debit cards, um, my social security cards, all of that was inside of my phone wallet case thing that had a super convenient little wristlet, you know, uh, hook thing and that helped zero uh, when I handed it over, <laughs> so, um, that way I, cause I've had some people who have asked, they're like, well, you know, why didn't you leave? And I'm like, yeah, no, I literally had nothing and nothing like zero stuff. And, um, I think, so everybody, obviously, depending on the situation and where you're at in your life and where you're at in your trauma and your responses to trauma, there's like a fight or a flight response and, and, or a freeze. Uh, and so uh, now where I'm at in my life currently, it is almost always a fight response. I can't tell you how many times I've heard a sound and I've flung the door open cause I'm coming out to fight. Um, but at that point, because I had not, uh, because I was so confused about what was happening. <laughs> it was definitely in a freeze standpoint. Um, so not to validate why I stayed. Okay. Anybody who's been in an abusive narcissistic controlling relationship, someone who already has trauma from their past, you know, um, my trauma started very young. I was a child when, when that all began. And so I had a life of, you know, <laughs> I was built for this basically. Uh, But, you know, it just, I don't need to validate why I stayed, but I want people to understand, you know, what was happening in my mind at that time and and why I made the decisions that I made and why I felt so stuck and so, um, you know, unable to get out. I literally had nothing. I was just, besides some high heels, I couldn't hardly walk in. Seriously, though, the heels were horrible, especially those Goodwill ones, because they were already all worn down. And so they weren't even, like, comfortable. It was, it was bad. <laughs> so I learned pretty quickly after that first night that where I was was called the track. Um, I Googled this just because I was curious to see what it said. Um, And it said the track or the blade, which is that's what it was referred to um, in my situation. It also said something about the stroll. I've never heard it called that. That might be a regional um, term. But um, the track has very specific rules for while you're on it. (laughs) Um, The girls are only allowed on the street you are not allowed to walk on the sidewalk at all. Um, The only exception to that rule is if there is a cop or an undercover or detectives driving through looking to pick up girls to make arrests, then that rule is kind of negated. um, But that's even a gray area. Depending on the pimp that you encounter, he could tell you he doesn't care about that rule and still take you. So as it was explained to me, if at any point in time you are on the sidewalk, or if you engage with a pimp who is on the sidewalk trying to to pimp at you, um, or speak to you, and it's usually some sort of weird version of sweet-talking, and, um, (laughs) disses towards who you're with, and, you know, then they they try to come, I don't, they try to talk better about themselves and tell you that they can make you better, which really just means that you suck. So it's a confusing, mind boggling situation. But if at any point you engage with the person who's on the sidewalk, if you make eye contact with them, if you reply to any of their statements, or if you at any point step off of the street and onto the sidewalk, that pimp then at that time has the quote unquote right to take you and make you his property. Um, whether that means throwing you in a trunk or beating you up so that you can't run away or, it, you know, some girls just walk away willingly because they don't like the situation they're in. So it's it's a wide variety of situations, um, especially where I was at on the track was a very um, big mixture between girls that were either A, being trafficked, B, were convinced that they were there willingly, or C, were drug addicts that were just not, they were being trafficked by the drugs, honestly. <laughs> the the drugs were making them do things they probably would not have usually done. So um, it was, it was, um, it was rough. There was one time I was on the track And there was, I'm walking in the street as I should have been, and there's a pimp who's yelling at me from his car window. Uh, He's driving alongside of me. I had stopped and changed directions several times. He just would switch and either be driving forward or in reverse uh, to keep up with me. And I did not ever engage with him or respond to him in any way. Um, And he actually proceeded to hit me with his car. Uh, he, hit, I mean, not like it, it didn't injure me. He just bumped me. Um, and to the point that I started to reach out for Jack and I called Jack and I'm like, Hey, I've <laughs> got a situation and he shows up. And I guess Jack was somewhat, um, I, I don't know. he was well-respected in his criminal field. Um, uh, but basically literally so, um, once the Jack pulled up and the, the other man got out of his car and he's like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I didn't realize that, that she was yours. I, you know, and that was one of the first times that it was like, okay, a Jack does have my back. Like he says he does. And (laughs) b. I'm with somebody who is apparently like feared and respected, which made me feel, you know, and, but then also at the same time to hear someone refer to me as somebody else's property was like, Oh yeah. (laughs) This is, Oh yeah. Um, so because part of the, you know, isolation of this, um, you know, the, the track was the brainwashing phase, I was on the track every single night for the first, I don't really know how long, honestly. It, it's kind of all a blur. It was a long time. Um, and we didn't leave the house sometimes until 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock midnight. And then we would leave as soon as the sun come up or uh, Jack used to say, we, we have to leave before the school buses start coming around because he was respectable and we don't, you know, do this in front of children. <laughs> so it was always crazy to me. That was one thing Jack used to always say, uh, women and children need to be protected. And I used to be like, I'm a woman. Does he know, just, does, does some? can somebody tell him I'm a woman? <laughs> like, because, but I guess in, in his mind, I was already, you know, like damaged and ruined. Um, He, one of his other common things was he had us refer to him as dad. I say us, sometimes there was other girls, sometimes there weren't. It kind of went in waves uh, for the the period of time that I was there. Um, But he had us call him dad and um, he used to say all the time, you're here because your father didn't do his job. That's why I'm your dad now. And it was so, um, it was true. And, and that is probably the hardest thing with people who are like severely narcissistic and have like developed and honed these manipulation skills is that they can seriously manipulate you with the truth. Like (laughs) it was like, well, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, well, if he's right about that, like, what else is he right about? You know, Um, that's not what I think now. But in the situation, it was, you know, after I am going through all of these nights on the track, um, eventually I did ask Jack. I was like, look, I need to I need to call my mom because she's going to like there's she's going to call the cops or something Like, if I don't reach out to her, you know. And so he was like, okay, fine, you know, but I have to be in the room. And so I did get to call her and looking back, I wonder like what would have been different? Like if I could have come up with like a code, (laughs) like a way to tell her what was going on. But not only was he there, I was so prideful. I mean, so to admit that you've like gotten yourself into this situation is not it's not fun it's not <laughs> it's a very hard thing um to accept um you no longer like trust yourself anymore <laughs> um because like so there's just a lot there i was i was really ashamed i felt really guilty i felt like i had made like this huge mistake and i really felt like I could get myself out of it. Like I just needed some more time and I was going to like figure it out. And I was going to, you know, and so I called my mom and I just kept with the boyfriend story. I didn't really tell her what was happening. Um, he gave her a different name than what he gave me, which caught me off guard. But then, you know, being in the situation, (laughs) I'm still like, You know, getting used to the fact that I'm in this situation, and so I'm like, Wait, why would he lie about his name? Because naive, you know, like honest, trusting me is like, What that's not your name, (laughs) and so it just, you know, there was a lot, a lot of it was weird, it was, and I really didn't understand like the magnitude of who I was dealing with. Jack was a master manipulator. Like, if I could, the, he, like, completely dismantled my brain, and then, like, put it back together however he wanted to, is the short story of what happened. <laughs> but, he became my source of information for everything. I was completely cut off. I had the track at night, I was locked in the basement during the day, and, I had a cell phone with only his phone number in it and he checked it on a regular basis. There was not any way that I could have done anything without him knowing like it was there were sometimes there were other people in the basement with me, um his relatives or family members or it and everybody was like they just knew like in fact it there at one point I guess somebody new came over and they were like, who's that? And pointed to me and they're like, don't talk to her. That's just one of his hoes. And I was like, Oh, I'm literally nobody. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Alrighty then. So it it was a very, very confusing. It, it took me longer to absorb than I would like to admit. I'm not going to lie. Like they're looking back. I'm like, at, like I wonder if I would have ever said anything to to the people that were there, like if I wouldn't have been so shocked and frozen, you know, like, hey, do you guys know that like I'm not here willingly like <laughs> but it on top of that, Jack I should i feel like I wish you guys could just like. <laughs> see him <laughs> it, just in live person for like two minutes he is so charismatic and charming and when I was with him while the situation was like super traumatizing and really horrible and my brain could not comprehend or wrap around or process he was so nice about it <laughs> Coming out now, like, I'm trying to figure out how to explain this. Like, that sounds so weird, but he was so sweet. Like he was so, when he wasn't sweet, it was horrible. The rest of the time he was great. I mean, he was, he would take you to go get your hair done and your nails done and buy you new clothes. And, and, you know, obviously that was after the brainwashing had progressed quite a bit. I was like fully infatuated at that point, but even at the beginning, I mean, it, he was that first night on the track after I came back and I had some money, um, he, the, uh, like the enlightenment in his face, he was so excited. He was so proud of me. And I had never had anybody that, that made me feel that way before. I had never had anybody that was like, yes you're it you're gonna you're like you're (laughs) I found the winner like nobody has ever just I've been the prize possession to anybody and so it was kind of like okay all right I'm good at well apparently I'm good at this (laughs) like and I'm making him really happy and when he's happy my treatment is much better so you know maybe it's not that bad like and it was kind of I tried to you know focus on the good side and just forget the bad parts. And like, I'm going to make it through this and I'm going to figure out how to get out of here. Um, by the way, I did get out of there. (laughs) Hallelujah. Because the amount of anxiety that I get, even thinking back to the track, um, you know, later into the, the trafficking process, you know, it got to the point where I was in hotels and traveling from state to state, and it was um, insane. And But the track became a punishment. It was, you know, either A, you didn't make enough money today, and I feel like you need to make more. So I, you know, was no longer up all night at that point. I was up all day long. So now I'm going 24 and 36 hours without sleep. And sometimes it was just to show you off. sometimes he would be like i want to see you come out in the least amount of clothes possible. and i want to go show my hose off tonight and i'm like all right it's 27 degrees but sure i would love to be naked outside. so it was it was just a constant use of control if ever he felt like i was getting comfortable Or that things had been too easy. There was one time I remember we were riding in the car. It had been several hours. We were driving to another state. And we stopped and pulled over to gas station and got food. And when we got back in the car to leave, I buckled up my seatbelt. And out of nowhere, I just get punched in the face. And I remember, like, I'm crying. My nose is bleeding. And I look over at him and I'm like what did I do? And he's like, nothing. Sometimes I just got to remind you who's in charge. And I was like, what, what? No, like, but other times he tells me that (laughs) that he prefers to not have sore knuckles. He loves a hoe that listens, you know? So it it was so confusing and back and forth. You you never knew for sure. It, It was just a constant eggshell it was it was definitely the outline of an abusive relationship. It just had some really uncomfortable non-consensual aspects to it. I don't know. Sometimes this is hard to talk about. Sometimes it makes me remember why I stayed so long when I talk about Jack. I don't miss him, but I miss the fantasy. And I miss the ideas that that he sold me that I had convinced myself were reality. Mm -hmm. There was one more story I was thinking about whenever I was doing my outline for this episode that just kind of has to do with the whole track and pimps. and So there was one time where I had encountered a a pimp on the sidewalk. He was yelling at me and talking to me. Um, he swore up and down that I not only made eye contact with him, but laughed at one of his jokes. (laughs) And that was enough that he felt that he should get to take me. And, um, Jack comes up and he's like, yeah, that's not how this works. You know, I know her. She didn't do anything. You're lying. Um, and he swore up and down. And so, If you are in a situation like that, where you have two people who are saying opposite things, they do this thing called holding court in the middle of the street. And so next thing I know, I'm getting grabbed up by Jack and he puts me in the middle of the street on my knees and I'm standing in a circle or I'm kneeling on the ground and there's like a circle of probably seven or eight pimps around me. And uh, Jack says, I'm going to let this hoe tell her story, and if at any point any one of you think that she's lying, I want you to kick her in her face. And I remember just staring at Jack, like, and he winked at me. And I was like, well, well that's weird. <laughs> now I'm like, I'm I'm terrified, but like, why are you like, is this all a game? Is this not, is this not real? Is this real? Like, are they going to hurt me? Am I, do I, and so he's like, well, go. And so I tell, you know, what happened and nobody did anything. And so he's like, all right, I told you guys, I told you, I know my, I know my hoe, I know my hoe, blah, blah, blah. And I just remember thinking like, oh my gosh, I could have just died. Like if all seven of them would have like, I would have like, And he's just laughing and he's like, wasn't that fun? And I was like, no, he goes, Oh, I love holding court. And I'm like, well, yeah, when you're not the one on your knees in the middle of the ground, geez, like what is, but then he rewarded me with, um, Dolce & Gabbana sunglasses and a mani putty. And I got my hair bleached and I mean, it was, <laughs> there was so much compensation for this. That, I mean, he did really well at, you know, making you forget how horrible it was. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for joining me for episode four. Um, I'm sorry if this one was not as um, <laughs> funny or happy, but I'm going to be totally real with you guys as much as I can. So some of this is is a little harder to talk about, you know, and, and especially getting into these next few episodes when we get into the nitty gritty of of what it was like being there on a daily basis. Um, you know, there's probably going to not be as many funny, happy moments, but I'll try and and throw them in when I can. I'm so glad that you guys were able to listen to this episode. Please, if you visit my site on Anchor, you can leave me a voice message. You can leave me comments. Um, I would love to hear from you guys. And always the biggest support is sharing this with your friends. So if you could just do that, I have a website. I have a Facebook page. You can search Jill Jones or Bought by the Hour. I'm glad you're here. Thanks for joining. I can't wait to tell you the rest of the story.